Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining with us. We're getting a new series today here at Life Church, uh, returning to some old conversations. Reset, a divine approach to our earthy affairs. Our starting point is this. We believe Jesus is God. And from that place of divinity, he proclaims over our lives healing, wholeness, and freedom. He, he purposes those things. He miraculously accomplishes them. And at the same time, he offers us pathways, presents us pathways to them. He's both and. Jesus is God, and he also gives us ways to go. Randy Posh, in his book, The Last Lecture, makes this statement. We cannot change the cards we are dealt, just how we play the hand. The fact of the matter is that life unfolds in surprising, often confusing, and very traumatic ways. I mean, look at our present circumstance. The Apostle Paul speaks to that same dynamic just as Mr. Posh did in his book. We're going to work through Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 31 in this series. And I want to read a couple of pieces of that passage this morning. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Verse 26, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And verse 28, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in this way. We once again come to you and ask for your hand in this circumstance, in our, in our culture, in our moment. God, we ask that you'd give wisdom to all those who are in leadership. We ask for breakthrough. We ask for healing in physical and emotional dynamics uh, across our globe, particularly in our community. And as we gather here this morning, we ask that you would take these moments as we open up the Word of God, uh, use them, mold them, just uh, to mold us and be shaped and made more into your image. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. 2020 uh, has, it's been a ride, hasn't it? It's been through a lot, and we're only halfway through, Half. Way. I liken it to a, a two minute plank, 120 seconds. When I'm working out, I decide before I do a plank, this is going to be for two minutes. You know that feeling when you get into it and your body starts to shake? You start trembling, your back hurts, your, your, your shoulders start to pulse, and that drop of sweat starts coming off of your nose, and you think, surely I'm almost to that 120 second mark. I'm right there at two minutes. And you glance at your Apple Watch and you see you're not even to 30 seconds yet. 2020. We're halfway through. 2020 has been a little bit rough, hasn't it? I mean, there have been a lot of expectations for 2020 as well. I remember imagining 2020 in the 90s. I didn't routinely look ahead, but everybody was looking forward to this. Uh, yeah, we had 1999 and 2000 and, and Y2K. We thought the world was going to end and the banks were going to fold in on themselves. Probably would be in a better place if they did. But hey, uh, 2010 had a ring to it. But 2020, 2020 had a buzz, like a snap, a real life sci-fi kind of thing to it, filled with hope, attached to grand expectations, along with the low-hanging fruit of, oh, vision and seeing, hey, 2020. And then we get this, this, 2020 has had a rough go, or has it? 
Maybe 2020 is delivering all of its hoped for and contrived destiny. Could it be that we're getting what we really want and need? Perhaps this, all of this, these things, as Paul writes, are offering something to us we would have never imagined and never reached for ourselves. If you're anything like me, some point, at some point, you turn to the scriptures for guidance. And I mean that very honestly. I would like to say that I directly go to the scriptures when things happen. But the fact of the matter is, I try and figure everything out. I try and understand it. I try and fix it. Even when I pray, my frame of reference tends to be off until I turn to the scriptures and God moves me into another way of understanding. We turn to the scriptures. I turn to the scriptures. I look to Jesus to offer me some help and leadership in our season where we are. And to be sure, Jesus always has things to say. He culminates, of course, in the great commandment, Mark chapter 12, that we would love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. Just as an aside, what would the world really look like if we truly majored on what Jesus suggested we majored on? There are other places to look in scriptures too, and particularly in our time and season, I would like to suggest that maybe the prophetic voices, Amos, Jeremiah, and Isaiah, would be good places for us to turn and get some guidance. These books of the Bible, as I said, are, are prophetic voices. They are, they are way pointers. They speak largely in allegory and illustration, but to times that are not unlike our own. Turbulent seasons, speaking to people who are a bit wandery. There's a new word for you, wandery. They speak to the heart and desire of God versus the want of empire. They challenge systems of oppression and those who are fighting to keep power in its current place instead of engaging growth, change, healing, and the more and the more and the more of the kingdom of God. Because when you hear about the kingdom of God in scriptures, it's always in a way that it is approaching, that it is descending to us. We are climbing the hill, so to speak. The first testimony or, or sermon in the New Testament speaks to the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's close. It's nearby. While I don't think for a moment that God authored these stormy circumstances, crafting worldwide pandemics or, or murders in broad daylight, visceral mistrust or abject hatred to, of our fellow humans, I'm suggesting our circumstances, by the grace of God, are offering us a reset. Reset. This is something that all of us know about if we have any technology in our lives. At the Fehrenbach household, we are constantly resetting our iPhones. We're resetting our computers. We're, we're resetting our televisions and everything else that's hooked up to Wi-Fi. Reset. This is when something is stopped. It's, it's powered down and re-engaged at a beginning state. I'm not talking about going back to a factory reset so it is new, but it has a fresh usability. This is where we are. Wouldn't you agree that 2020 has offered us a moment where we have all been forced to stop, to power down, and now we're re-engaging? This is a reset in very real time. We all want new. Arguments can be made about vintage and, and, and old school and the like, but really, we want new. At the very least, as it relates to something different and creatively nuanced, specifically for ourselves. We want new and we welcome resets towards such, but we also always have our own terms. My point, one cannot have resurrection, resurrection 
proper and ultimate reset without death. Paul writes to that in Romans chapter 6. He says, For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Elsewhere, as he's writing to the church at Colossae, Paul says, you died. You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We see this in the example of Jesus as well, who gives of himself at a sacrificial level that is even to the point of death. You see, the scriptures offer ways to see. They give us prisms as we look through them to see our circumstances. I know we all want answers. We all want explanations. We, we, we live in the age of technology and a Google search that ends a discussion or a debate before it ever begins. But the scriptures, the scriptures don't engage such orientation. They are not to be used, divorced from tangible, intimate experience and realities. Cars are not to be driven underwater. Matt Inman is a pilot here in the church, and I'm sure that although he loves to fly, he doesn't tool around town in an airplane. <laughs> Marriage and family cannot solely be for enjoyment. When we set up wrong expectations for such institutions, inventions, or associations, we either damage them or damage ourselves along with our view of God. Because God always comes into the conversation. We say things like, God, what is going on? Where are you, God? Why is this happening, God? There's a difference. There's a difference between explanations, concluding answers, and making sense or finding meaning. Explanations and answers concluded is accomplished when everything is, is boxable, hard and fast, didactically tangible. Everything can be neatly labeled and therefore shipped into future realities. Making sense, finding meaning, this uses everything but has no finality. It's open-ended, though useful and flexible, maybe even a bit squishy if I could use that word. Perhaps it's even difficult to get your hands around. Why we all, myself very much included, want a God who has edges and boundaries and can be boxed, I'll never understand. I think it has something to do with being safe by being in control rather than the real pursuit, actual pursuit of truth. I mean, watch Jesus. Listen to him as he deftly tiptoes around explanations and absolute answers to consistently offer the larger, more useful, making sense and finding meaning. Jesus speaks in terms that are less hard and fast and, again, more squishy. God does not cause evil to happen. End of sentence. There's a moment in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where Jesus is once again preaching, teaching, healing, doing a ton of good things, as he's apt to do. And others accuse him of being of the house of Satan, that he is of Beelzebub. Jesus just swipes the accusation away. But the reality is, James writes to that same reality in his first chapter. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. 
For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or no shadow due to change. God does not cause evil to happen. That statement must be immediately followed up with this statement. There's a lot of stuff that I don't understand. So as those two statements confront one another and violently wrestle with each other, I get to choose the one and not allow what I don't understand to change what I know. I know that God is loving. I know that God is merciful. I know that God is grace-giving. I know that God is powerful. This is who God is. Though I have to come back to that and train my thoughts on that truth over and over and over again through the course of my days because the vast majority of my life and my circumstance routinely and shallowly scream something altogether different. This series is about choosing to let God, let God use any and all circumstances as they surround us in the most earthly ways. Leaning into that divine relationship for guidance, despite what our emotional riptides and, and the cultural gravity would otherwise say. We would be well served instead, settling into a squishy existence with God, where he isn't responsible for what has happened, and he's not responsible for what's going on. And at the very same time, we accept him. We listen to him, and we look for him, as he has forever promised to be present and involved in everything. I want to work through just one verse here from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. We're in a reset opportunity, church. In the midst of a worldwide pandemic, civil unrest and racism and, and privilege that have all come to the surface. It's not new, but they're coming to the surface once again for us to talk about, try and deal with. We have to understand that the scriptures give us a prism to look at our circumstances. And we know. That word know is from the original language, Ido, which means to discover, to grapple with, to find and uncover. This isn't because we know and it's right there in front of us, but we have some uncovering to do. We have some digging to do. So we know that for those who love God, again, that's the agape, the, the choosing to love, not because we have an affection for it or we even have a desire or a want, but because we are making the choice to attach to him who is our creator. We know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. I know this is a spot and a place that we all stumble over because we look at our lives, we look at the season that we're in, we're like, for good? What are you talking about? That language there does not mean enjoyable. It means able to bear fruit, good, in terms of beneficial, that it will eventually be able to benefit us. It doesn't mean that it's good in the moment that we are liking the situation, but it has the ability to be good, productive in our souls, and even, yes, in our world. For those who are called according to his purpose. Called is the kletos, or invited. And purpose is prothesis, means setting forth to be seen. 
Here's the reality, church. We have an opportunity. We have been invited to be seen. In everywhere we are, in all that we do, God places us to be seen. And so within this conversation, within this series, we are going to lean into a reset, a divine approach to our extremely earthy affairs. We hope it's beneficial. We hope we can all grow into who God has intended us to be. And in the moment, as we receive that invitation, perhaps even be seen as God would like for us to be seen. Let me leave you with this benediction. May we let the scriptures read us and tell us about our circumstances. May we hear the still small voice of God louder than every other voice that shouts, tweets, points fingers, posts their opinions, or comes with breaking news banners and a soundtrack. May we fully engage this reset we're being offered. And may we remember that with Jesus, it only gets better.